supposed to be talking today uh, about the church and what it's good for. And uh, I'm going to answer that question for you at the end. But as we go through, we're just going to look at some different points uh, of how the church has uh, been a blessing and is a, it is a blessing and, and, and how that as a family that we can uh, benefit from it. And so on this national Back to Church Sunday, you know, uh, it kind of through the summer months and uh, people are very busy and vacations and all kind of things happening. And, um, you know, sometimes attendance drops down a little bit, but all of a sudden school gets back started and, and all of a sudden folks start coming back and finding their place and getting back in a routine. And you know what? We declare it's more than just coming back to church. It's more than just coming to a building. But it's coming back... And renewing relationship. There's people who are coming back that have uh, not been in a long time. Maybe you're coming back to church and you were here Wednesday night. But you're back. Yeah, you were here last Sunday, but you're back. Whatever the case may be, we're just glad that you're here. And we want to answer the question for you today. Uh, the church. What's it good for? Well, there was a, uh, a member of a certain church and. He had been very faithful and attending regularly. And uh, for some reason or other, he just decided he didn't want to go anymore. So after a few weeks, uh, the pastor went to visit him and found him there at home alone, sitting in front of a blazing fire. And uh, he knew why the pastor was there, and he brought him on in and, you know, pointed him to a seat. The pastor just sat. He didn't say anything. The man didn't say anything. They just stared at the fire. After a few moments, the pastor got up and went over and got the tongs and reached in and grabbed one of the big chunks and set it out on the edge of the hearth. He went and sat back down in his chair and they just stood, sat there and looked at it. And they watched it gradually just grow dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Until finally it went out and it was just a piece of cold, dead wood. After a few moments, the pastor got ready to leave and he got up and walked over and got the tongs and reached over and picked up that piece of dead, dried, smoking. He reached in and he laid it back in the middle of the fire and all of a sudden, it came back to life, and it began to glow, and it began to, the flames began to come up from it again. He walked to the door and opened the door, and the gentleman said, Pastor, thank you so much for your visit, and thank you for that fiery message. I'll be back next Sunday. You see, that's just a cute story, but it shows how that as a group, I mean, we, we, we kindle each other and we burn together, but alone, it's very easy to let your fire go out. When you don't have anybody to fan you, when you don't have anybody to stoke you up, when you don't have anybody to, to add some excitement and life to you, sometimes our life just kind of begins to, to, to go out. And so it's important today to understand that God created the church for a purpose, and the very first thing that God wants the church to be is to be a family. The church is a place of reunion. Every Sunday when we come in, I mean, it is so good to see you again. 
I love to see my family. I love to see my nieces and my nephews and my brother and sister and sister-in-law and brother-in-laws. And it's good to see all them. And you know, when I see them, we're excited to see one another. We hug and shake hands, and it's, it, it's good. You know, I get to see uh, one of my nephews at the gym every morning, and the other one, I don't know where he's been. <laughs> I think he's giving about 10%. We need 100% from him. Oh, but every morning when I get there, and it's good to see each other. We get on the trip, and we talk. Why? Because we're family. We talk about what's going on, what's happening with your kids, what's going on, how was the soccer game, how was this, how was that. And you, you have that fellowship and, you know, you talk and you laugh and you know through when you're going through hard times. That's what family is. Well, you know, really you can become closer to your church family than you do your real family because you spend more time with them sometimes. Sometimes these families get separated and you only see each other at Thanksgiving or Christmas and uh, maybe they live a far distance. And because you spend every week with your church family, you draw close to them. You fellowship, we feed, we have fun, we, we worship together. And there's a real closeness and a bond. And so that's what we begin to understand, that the church can become a family. You know, Jesus in, in Mark chapter 3, he said uh, his brothers and his mother came... Uh, to get him. He was teaching. And uh, they said, hey, your mama and your brothers are here. And he said, who is my mother? Who is my brothers? Except he that does the will of the Father. And then he looked around and he said, you are my brothers and sisters. You're, you're my family. I mean, he wasn't disrespecting his natural family. He knew they, they didn't believe. They, they didn't understand who he was. And so they were coming to get him. And they brought mom along for some leverage. And uh, he, he went on and, you know, he went with them, I'm sure, after he was done. But he just wanted them to know, look, when you believe, when you become a part of this movement called the church, you become a part of a family. You know, there's so many people that are looking to belong to something. That's why they join all kind of crazy things, from gangs to clubs, all these kind of things. Why? Because they're looking to belong. They're looking for somebody to uh, uh, just, you know, motivate them and bless them. And uh, I had a young man one time that spent some time in prison uh, for... Uh, Stealing stuff for car stereos and cars and all kind of stuff. And in talking to him, I asked him, you know, why did you do He said, well, I was with this group of friends, and uh, I was good at it. And they bragged on me. And they made me feel good. And so I just continued to do it. You know, here's the deal. Wouldn't it be great if when people come to church, we just bragged on them and loved on them and encouraged them to do all the good stuff that they just wanted to go out next week and do something else good? See, the world's out there bragging on all the bad stuff. There's people that become a part of a gang and to do that, they've got to commit a crime or do something, you know, terrible. And uh, then, then they all high-five them. And a lot of times they all get together and beat them to a pulp. And uh, after they, they pick them up and, you know, clean them all up, and now they're brothers. Well, aren't you glad to become a part of the church? We don't call you up here and everybody come up here and, and knock you in the head. <laughs> well, maybe some of you need it. I don't know. No, no. You know, but, but you know, there, there, it wouldn't be something to be able to come in. That's what the church is supposed to be. It's supposed to be a place of family and a place that you just find uh, encouragement and love every time we get together. It should be like a party. It should be a big reunion. Amen. Only thing missing today is the fried chicken and mashed potatoes. 
The church is a classroom. We have a lot of teachers in the house. And you understand that here, I mean, in a classroom, there's knowledge given. It's amazing to me, you know, as my kids grew up, and uh, I guess still now. Haley's in college, and I still. What'd you learn today? Nothing. She didn't learn nothing in kindergarten all the way through 12th grade. She's in college, still not learning nothing. But see, but when they're in the classroom and they're going and they're taking those tests, knowledge is going in. She's a whole lot smarter than she was back then. Because you just get, you gain knowledge. And even though each Sunday you're sitting here, you may not even realize it. Oh, but faith is being built. The Word of God is being put in you. And then all of a sudden, I mean, you come up to a crisis, and that faith and that Word and all that stuff that you learned while you were just sitting here in church, all of a sudden begins to come back up. Because this is a classroom. And Hosea uh, chapter 4 and verse 6, I'm going to try to read a couple of scriptures to you real fast says, uh, Hosea chapter 4 and verse 6, says, My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge, because thou hast rejected knowledge. I will also reject thee, that thou shalt be no priest no more unto me, seeing thou hast forgotten the law of thy God, and I will also forget thy children. Now here, uh, in, in this particular instance, a uh, little history, uh, the people of God, the priests, had stopped teaching the law of God. They had stopped teaching what God had told them to teach. And because they were no longer teaching the law, the people were just doing anything they wanted. And it was bringing uh, uh, all kind of problems and all kind of curses. And I mean, the people were just in a bad shape. And it, was, it started with the pastor. Pastors have got to preach the truth. We've got to begin to preach the Word of God, begin to tell people what's right, what's wrong. Sin is still sin. Right is still right. Heaven's still pure, and hell is still hot. And we've just got to begin to not water down the gospel. Jesus loves people. He died for their sins. And we've got to get back to preaching the truth of God's Word. Because you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And so the truth has got to come forth. But here they stopped preaching and teaching. And so then uh, there was a lot of problems that were coming from that. You see, we have a, a responsibility. I'll try to do my part to teach. Will you do your part to listen? Will you do your part to be here and to be in the classroom? And uh, as Miss Amy, she would always, you know, she gets frustrated. Don't be showing up in her class without your pencil and your paper. You know, you got to be ready. Come in with your, come in with your Bible. Be ready, whether it's on your iPhone or your iPad or whatever it's on. And uh, I look out every Sunday, and people tell me, Pastor, uh, I, I was on my Bible. I had my Bible app opened. You know, and I'm like, Are you sure you weren't playing Candy Crush? Well, I'm a <laughs> no, Pastor. I, I was, I had my Bible. So whatever you have, get the Word of God in you. Pre-learn the Word. Uh, Miss Amy, every every morning, she has Bible audio. And as we're getting ready, I mean, she turns it on, and we've listened. You know, I've got the whole Bible in me, uh, just secondhand. Ooh, listen, secondhand Bible is better than secondhand smoke any day. She's in there getting ready, listening to the Bible. I'm doing whatever, trying to sleep. And uh, the, 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 the Bible's just playing. I can hear it. And you know, what's, what's crazy? Oh, that's crazy. It's amazing. It's wonderful. All of a sudden, almost all of those scriptures, I can finish them. Because you've heard them so much and you've learned them and you don't even know you know them. But all of a sudden, you hear them start it and you can just pick right up. 
and just go right along with them because the Word of God is in you. You've been in that classroom and you've been learning and you're learning something that not only affects you but affects your children, your grandchildren. It'll affect generations to come when you get in the house of God and learn. Amen? The church is a refuge. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 18 says this. That by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us. Did you know every week people are fleeing into the church for refuge? They're coming for hope. Amen. Out in the world, so many things have happened. Trouble and situations and work and kids and husbands and wives. And and they're fleeing for a refuge. What is a refuge? A refuge, it means a source of help, a relief, comfort in the time of trouble. Oh, so many people, you know, all through, throughout you, you, you ever watch those old westerns and all those things, those cowboys, they're running, and you, if they find a church, they'll go in there and take refuge. Because, you know, you're not supposed to uh, go into church and, and shoot anybody, get anybody. Uh, that's the way it was in the old days. It's not that so much nowadays. It's not so much a refuge anymore. People used to leave the church doors open. People could come in all the time, day or night, and pray. Now if you left the doors open, we'd come back next week and everything would be gone. <laughs> Things are just not like they used to be anymore. People, one time, uh, somebody did break, break in before we had an alarm and stole some stuff. And as they went out the back door, they wrote on the door, Lord, forgive me. My dad said if they really wanted forgiveness, they should have put the stuff down. You know, but so people don't, don't have that same respect anymore because there's a lot of problems, but there's still people who are coming to the church as a place of refuge. They're coming for a place of help and, and, and strength. And they're seeking hope. I'm telling you today, when you come in the house of God, Amy, you should leave with more hope than you came in. You need to understand that He loves you more today Amen, than He did yesterday. There's nothing you can do to disappoint God. Amy, you weren't holding Him. He's holding you. And you need to realize, Amy, He loves you just the way you are, but He loves you too much to leave you that way. He'll change you and He'll change your situation and He'll forgive your sin. And when you come in, Amy, there needs to be hope that tomorrow is going to be better. Amen? There's times that when people come in and they need, they have needs, uh, the reality is that the church, we can't meet every need. We can't meet everybody's financial need. We can't pay everybody's bills. We can't provide all the physical needs people have. Sometimes we can't take away all the pain, but we can be there to help you and encourage you and stand with you. But I'm telling you, I know who can. And the church is a place to where maybe we can't solve everybody's problems, but we can point them to the one who can. God can. I can't forgive your sins, but God can. I can't heal you, but God can. And we can go together, and we can pray together, and we can stand as a family together, and we can see God move and do miracles in your life. Church is a place of refuge. The church is a Billboard. Did you know that you are a billboard? Second Corinthians says in chapter three, verse number two, Ye are our epistle, written in our hearts, known and read of all men. 
For as much as ye are manifestly declared to be the epistle of Christ, ministered by us, written not with ink, but with the Spirit of the living God, not in tables of stone, but in fleshly tables of the heart. You are a walking billboard for the church. Most people in the world may not pick up a Bible and read it, but they're watching you. He said, we are His epistles, not written with ink, not written on stones or paper, but in our hearts. When you walk out of the church, amen, the church effectiveness is not inside this building, but it's when we come together, amen, we come as a family, we rejoice together, we learn the Word, we're in that classroom, amen, we're here for refuge and we get hope, then we walk out of these doors and we advertise it. When's the last time you advertised the church? You see, every day you're advertising the church. When you're on your job, your attitude, the way when you're at school, the way you act, the way you talk is a reflection on the church. Because if you call yourself a Christian and people say they, they, they are Christians and they go to church and then you acting all up and crazy, they go, whoa, I don't know about that church. I don't know about that pastor. Those folks are acting kind of wild. I wonder what he's teaching. <laughs> hey, did, your, did your mama ever tell you when you went somewhere to, to be good because you were a reflection on them? Yeah. We all have told our children that. And they've all embarrassed us, haven't they? <laughs> have you ever embarrassed me? I doubt it. Y'all are all so good perfect, holy. You know what? I haven't always been the best example for the church. Sometimes I don't act perfect. I'm not, you know, I'm not just holy. I'm human. But you know what? We do our best. And when we, when we do make a mistake, we get right back up. And we say, I'm sorry. And we do better. And we try to act better. We try to live better. We try to talk better. Because we are a walking billboard for the kingdom of God, for Jesus himself. I and mean, we're a, a, a reflection of the church. And people should look at us and go, I don't know what you have or where you got it, but I want some of it. And you can say, I got it at church. See, we talked, we saw that little video last week of the misconceptions of church. Because when people see, and you say, come to church, they have all these preconceived ideas of, uh, of what it looks like and sounds like and what the people are like. And then they get here and they find out it's none of that. It's normal people who love God, who are not perfect, who are coming in for a refuge, who need hope, who have problems just like everybody else. But we bring them to Jesus, and Jesus lifts us up, and we walk out of here with a smile on our face and hope in our heart, ready to face another week. Amen. Because without Him, I just can't make it. That's why we come to get refilled and get encouraged. And so, amen, when you get out there in the workplace, uh, make sure that you are exemplifying the church. Make sure that you're being uh, a good example, being a good uh, representation of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen? Kids, amen, be a good example of Jesus to your friends. Let them know, you know, be the part when, they, when you come around, they, they stop saying bad words. They stop doing the things they're doing because they go, you know what, he, 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 he doesn't do that, she doesn't do that. They don't act like that. They're different. They're a Christian. Don't just be a Christian in word, be a Christian in action. The church is a celebration. 
Our church is fun, isn't it? It's fun. We have fun people. We have people who love one another. I love the time, the fellowship time. I love to sit back and watch everybody shaking hands and hugging necks. And, you know, and, and sometimes it's difficult when people's new uh, to, to, to get out. And, you know, but pretty soon I'll see people little by little moving. You know, they'll, they'll shake somebody's hand in front of them. And next week they'll move across. And pretty soon they're all over the church greeting and meeting people. We just get a, an atmosphere of, of freedom and joy. We have freedom in worship, freedom uh, of, of just serving and loving and you know this is not a a stuffy dead quiet it's okay to say amen here (laughs) i kind of had to pull for that one didn't i but it's a place just to be free come relax come as you are knowing that jesus loves you it's a place of celebration romans chapter 5 let's look at that real quick romans chapter 5 and verse number 18 says this Therefore, by the offense of one judgment, came upon all men condemnation. Even so, by the righteousness of one, the free gift came upon all men unto justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners. By the obedience of one, many shall be made righteous. I'm telling you, if that's not a reason to come and celebrate, amen, to come and to know that one man named Adam listened to Eve, and together they sinned and brought condemnation and death, but then a man named Jesus came and gave his life on a cross. He didn't commit any sin, but he took all of my sins upon him, and he forgave me of my sins, and I have a reason to be happy. I was on my way to hell, but now I'm going to heaven. I don't know about you, but that's a reason to celebrate. That's a reason to get excited. To know that, listen, life is hard. Times are tough. Amen. you got to get up and go to work tomorrow. But this is not all there is. This is for a brief season. I'm telling you, we're building something for eternity. And when we come together and we worship together and we encourage one another, amen, we know we are going to spend eternity together. You better start liking me now because you might be my neighbor in heaven. You might have to live beside me for eternity. <laughs> I'd be happy to live beside any of you. Here's the deal. As we come into the house of God and we realize that God's grace, grace is a reason to celebrate. One definition, this is a definition I like, a favor rendered by one who need not do so. God didn't have to do it. Isaiah chapter 43 and 25. I want you to listen to this scripture. This is good. Isaiah 43 and 25 says this. I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake. And will not remember thy sins. You hear that? I, even I, am he that blotteth out thy transgression for mine own sake. That's grace. He didn't have to do it. He wanted to do it. He doesn't have to love you. He wants to love you. He doesn't have to heal you. 
He wants to heal you. He doesn't have to bless you. He does it because He loves us. He said, I blotted out your transgression, not because I had to. I did it for my own sake. I did it because I want a family. You see, Jesus, our God, wanted a family. He created man to fellowship with. And then sin came and separated God and man. But Jesus even came and paid the price. He gave his life so that you and I could come back into fellowship. Amen. Could come back in reunion with the Father. And Jesus... Here, think about it. God... How many knows the... the, the um, you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you know, the principle of sowing and reaping. If you don't sow something, you're not going to reap something. A farmer don't go out and plant, don't go plow the dirt and then just sit there and wait and watch expecting something to grow. No, you have to sow something first. You see, God wanted a family. And so he sowed a son. That son died, was buried in the ground. And out of him came you and I. God sowed a son and he reaped a family. Now everyone that calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And they come in relationship with God. And now there's multi-millions of people. Did you know Jesus was the greatest, tele, uh, greatest uh, network marketer ever? Jesus shared his vision with 12 guys who shared it with more, that came 70, that shared it with more, 120, that shared it with some more, that shared it with some more. And this thing is, a lot of people say, that thing won't ever work. And here today, the church is millions and millions of people, all because one man shared his vision with a few. That's all church is. Did you know church is network marketing? It's just a friend telling a friend who tells a friend that Jesus loves them. I can't, listen, here's the deal. I can't go out and tell all your friends because I don't know them. I can preach the word. I can put it in you. And then you've got to go out and share it with your friends at school. That's how the church is built. What it would happen, they would go out in the, in the early days, they would go out in the, uh, the uh, marketplace and they would go out and they would, win a few souls, and then bring them back together. And this week, there would be, they had to, we, we can't meet in this house no more. It's too little. We've got to go to another house. And it kept growing and growing because they would go out and tell a few and then bring them back together in the big group. That's what we do. We come in. We encourage one another. We get hope. And then you go out into your homes and to your businesses and to your neighborhoods and you share it with a friend and then you bring them. Remember when the disciple brought Nathaniel? I mean, he said, man, come and see a man. He said, there ain't nothing good can come out of now. He said, just come and see. And he brought him to Jesus. Well, he got there and Jesus, you know, told him, I saw you when you were under the tree. And ooh, he got all excited and became a disciple. Well, listen, that's all we do. You say, I don't know how to win a soul. I don't know how to preach the gospel. You don't have to do none of that. All you got to do is just tell somebody and bring somebody. And when they get in the house and they feel God's love and they feel God's presence, amen, they're going to want what you have too. Amen? That's how the church is built. That's how it's always been built. It's just people going out and telling about what Jesus does. As we come together and celebrate the grace of God, the power of God. And I told you this last one a while ago. So you already know it now.
The church is Jesus' time. It's time for you to spend time with Jesus. The world's so busy. People so busy. It's hard for people. You should spend some time every day, whether it's in your car or your home. You need to spend some time with Jesus. Praying, reading His Word. But you know what? Sunday, this is the time corporately. He said, forsake not the assembling of yourself together. Don't forsake it. Because it's so important, amen, to have the love and the support of the family. This is Jesus' time. Jeremiah 33 says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Listen, you can't get that except in God's presence. When you get in the presence of God, He'll tell you things that you don't know. And you don't know what you don't know. There's people out there that think they've got it all together. Until they come in and they hear the word and go, they go, I didn't know that. I didn't know Jesus loved me. I didn't know he died on the cross for me. I didn't know that I couldn't get to heaven on my good works. Now I know it's only through Jesus and through confessing my sins. And so they don't know what they don't know until you bring them and they hear the gospel. So that's when we come to, we spend time with Jesus. He tells us things that we don't know. We serve God who reveals secrets. How many would like to know some secrets about your life? I think most people, the one thing they want to know is, what is God's plan for my life? What's my vision? What's my purpose? What's my calling? Daniel said in the first part of chapter 2, verse 28, but there is a God in heaven that revealeth secrets. Not the embarrassing kind. People are always afraid to come to church because, you know, there's there's a prophet going to be there. You know, I remember being in college, and uh, uh, they, they, they announced David Wilkerson was coming. David Wilkerson was known for getting up in audiences and just calling people out and reading their mail. You've been doing this, 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 and this, and you know, but I'm telling you, that whole week, man, we repented more than we'd ever had. Because we were afraid when he got there, he's going to stand us up and tell everybody what we've been doing. That's not, that's that. listen, I'm not talking about God. He doesn't want to reveal all your dirty secrets. He wants you to repent and be forgiven and that be forgotten. Amen. God still want, God wants to reveal secrets about your future and about your life and about the good things that He has in store for you. Amen. He said He wants to uh, let you know what is the, His will for your life and what is the purpose and the plan. Revelation chapter 2 said, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit say unto the church. Well, if you're not at church, how are you going to hear? Great, now if you, if you miss service, now you can go to the website and click on media and you can listen to the message. You can still hear. Isn't that good? Anytime you miss church, just go to the website and uh, click on that media and, and listen to the service. Catch, stay up, uh, up on what's going on and what, what's being taught and what's being preached so that when you get right back, you're right in the same flow. That's good. But there's nothing like being in it. Somebody can tell you about a movie. They can tell you about a restaurant. Don't you love people that just come and tell you all about that meal they ate, but you can't taste a bit of it? There's nothing like being there. So don't miss. See, God has a plan for your life. He has a will, a purpose, and He has a, 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 just a design that He wants to do. So, let's answer that question. What's the church good for? It's a place for family time. It's a celebration. It's sitting with Jesus. It's a classroom to prepare uh, you to to face life. It's a safe haven where you're not going to be judged. It's a place of reflection. It's a place to where Jesus can light your world. So the answer to the question, what is the church good for? The answer is everything. 
Everything. Everything. Everything good. Everything wholesome. Everything healthy. Everything full of life. Everything full of joy. Amen. It's right. You can find it in relationship with God and God's people. So let's, let's begin to realize it on Sunday morning when you get like, oh, I've got to go to church. No, get up and say, thank God I get to go to church today. I get to go see my family, my uncles and my aunts and my nieces and my nephews and my grandmas and grandpas and just adopt people. Yeah. Adopt them and say, you know what? I'm just going to, uh, I'm, I'm going to use you for uh, my advice. And I, I look at you and I, you've been married. You know, Brother Brady and Sister Robbie, they just, we just talked about them last week, been married 55 years. You, what you need to do is you just need to go and say, you know what? If you're having this trouble in your marriage, you just say, you know what? I'm going to adopt y'all uh, as our mentors and I'm just going to watch you and I'm going to see how y'all do things and I'm just going to pattern my life after yours because if you can do it, I can do it. Find people in business that are successful and, uh, and say, you know what, I'm going to watch and see what they do and how they, and I want to be successful. You find everybody in the church, you get up close to them and it'll begin to rub off on you. Amen? So what's the church good for? What's the church good for? What am I good for? Nothing. Oh, no, no. <laughs> You're good for everything. He loves you. Heavenly Father, today we're so grateful for a place called church. It's not these four walls. It's these people. Your children, sons and daughters. We're not perfect, but we're forgiven. Lord, we, we're just looking for a place of union, a place of faith, a place of hope a place of refuge. We need a family that will surround us and encourage us and pat us on the back and pick us up when we fall. I need somebody that will love me unconditionally. And I can find that in Jesus. I thank you for this place of hope, this place of celebration, the grace of God. Today I celebrate my life and what you've done for me. And I thank you today, Lord, that our ears have been opened. But I understand that the church is just more than a place to go for an hour and a half. It's more than a few songs and an offering. It's a family. And I want to be a part of that. But it's more than just a family here. It's an eternal family. For everyone that calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. You're here today and you say, Pastor, man, I want to be a part of God's family forever. I want heaven to be my home. I don't want to go to hell. I don't want to have to stand before God and give an account for everything I've done wrong. I want to repent of my sins and I want them to be forgiven and forgotten. Today, I want to start all over. You're not joining a church, a denomination. You're joining a family. If you're here today and you say, Pastor, I want that. I want to be a part of the family of God. I want to ask Jesus to come into my life, be my Lord and Savior. 
heads bowed and eyes closed, would you just slip your hand up right where you're at? Thank you, Lord. Yes, thank you, Jesus. Pray with me. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you freely gave your life so that I can live. Today I confess that I've sinned. I ask you to forgive me all of my sins. I invite you to come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and my friend. Today, I want to be a part of the family of God. Thank you for giving me life, for hope, and forgiveness. In Jesus' name, amen. Dear Heavenly Father, I just thank you for our people today. I thank you for our church. And I declare, Father, that as we continue to increase and grow, and you're bringing people from the north, south, east, and west, every nation, every tongue, I pray that you would let us, Father, be the church. Be that family. Encourage one another. Celebrate. Love. Have hope. And Lord, just be there when people are in need to meet their needs. I pray that we'll leave this place today. We'll go out and we'll find others that are without a family, that are orphaned by the world. The devil has hurt them and left them alone. But I thank you we're going to receive them and pick them up and we're going to bring them in and help them to become a part of your family. Help us do our part in the workplace and the schools and to spread the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and let people know there is a hope and a home that they can come. Thank you for this day. In Jesus' name. Everybody said a big amen.